Mr. Russell Thomas Ship, and Mr. Anthony Jason Newton are two of the crew members of Rusty Ship, and they've come to the antidote for a talk. Guys, it's great to have you back on the show. Thanks, Dave. Dave. Great to be here. So we've gotten together a couple times in the past to talk about music, and I guess the last time was 2019. But now the world is pretty different. How did the band survive COVID? It was very, very interesting. I mean, like a lot of other bands, we kind of dove into songwriting because we were quarantined on the submarine. (laughs) Yeah, it was, you know, a lot of challenges Uh, here in Nashville, specifically, a lot of musicians kind of just spread their wings and flew away. A lot of them uh, ended up going back home to obviously, you know, they wanted to be close with their families during the pandemic. And we understood that. But, um, yeah, Rusty and I, we used that as a, a good fruitful time to be creative and really hone our skills. And uh, Russ had written some terrific songs, so we, we dove headfirst right into that and spent a lot of that time just constructing this new album that we're very, very proud of. Yeah, the songwriting was definitely influenced lyrically by what was going on in 2020. And I had written this album just kind of as a like a, an artistic story in nautical rock and roll fashion. But then when all the stuff was going on in 2020, all these issues that everybody on the planet was suddenly faced with, I was like, you know what? I can't just put out just some nautical album. It has to be more than like this weird wacky stuff with sea angels and stuff. Like it needs to speak to the struggles that everybody's going through. So I started to, to like tweak and craft the lyrics in a way that kind of included some of the um, metaphysical tension that everybody was going through. It informed the uh, messages behind the songs 2020. Well, I guess even on a more personal level, it really must have sucked being cooped up with no shows to play. Because, I mean, Rusty Ship really is a full-bore live band. Oh, thanks, Dave. Yeah, that, that definitely, uh, you know, when you're, you're harbored, so to speak, and as the ship. <laughs> yeah. It, it was a bit frustrating because we really, really look forward to those live shows. Uh, we really love the energy of them and feeding off the audience. We missed it. But it forced us to take to the internet and get more into doing live streams and live performances online. And we yeah. started a Patreon group called The Ghost Ship where people could, you know, support us through the pandemic. And then they got a monthly live stream and we were Mm -hmm. uploading all this special content every month for people. So that was good. Yeah, it was a great way to connect with people, even though we couldn't do that physically like we had in the past. AJ, I got to pull you in for a second because I really want to hear about how you became part of Rusty Ship. Good question. Thank you for asking. Um... My wife and I moved down to Nashville, Tennessee in November of 2016, and I have been playing drums for, oh, now I've been playing for like 32 years, I believe. When did you start? I I started when I was seven years old. (laughs) Yeah, so getting up there. (laughs) (laughs) But but we we had moved down here because we both wanted careers in music, and... How do you connect with musicians in Nashville? I grew up in Indiana, so I, I didn't know how to find people to, to jam with. And uh, I looked, of all places, a uh, Craigslist ad. Uh, oh, no. Right? <laughs> the infamous Craigslist band. The infamous Craigslist. <laughs> and uh, 
I ended up uh, getting responses from uh, Russ that you know was very very professional. It was a job application more so than anything, and so I filled out the application. You know, like you know, years of experience playing your instrument, and uh, you know what kind of musical interests that I had and whatnot. But anyway, uh, long story short, Rusty reached out to me, and uh, he and I ended up having a cup of coffee, and we ended up talking for like three hours that night. And just hit it off as friends and, you know, had similar musical interests. And after that, we had a, an audition, if you will. And then I think a week or two later, you, you hit me up, Rusty, and, and said, well, the gig is yours if you want it. We'd mm -hmm. love to bring you aboard. So mm -hmm. I wasn't even in Nashville a month, I think it was, and I met this guy. And he and I have been best friends and, and partners in this endeavor for years now. It's been an absolute pleasure and a blast. Yeah, very providential. Yeah. And it's been a creative one. Very much so. Because we got to talk about the latest from Rusty Ship, Dark Side of the Ocean. You know, I can't imagine that building this as a concept album was easy. Didn't that really increase your workload? Yeah, but the thing is, I mean, I'm a, a true artist. This is my life's work, my calling. And so I take this just about as seriously as anything else in my whole life. So everything that I do, I don't want it to be stagnant or plateau. I want to constantly be growing and evolving and building on the previous foundations that I've laid as an artist. So it's kind of like, okay, cool. We have Mortal Ghost. That's cool. It's like this nautical rock thing. Okay, well, what's the next step? What if it all the songs kind of tied together like as a concept record? And then it was Liquid Exorcist. And then we were like... Well, what if we did like a real full-length album version of that and got more ambitious with the story? And so that's what Dark Side of the Ocean was. Like I said, I just take this so seriously. I, I work very, very hard on songwriting. I spend months. Some of the songs on this album, honestly, I, I wrote some of them like 15 years ago. Oh, my. And then uh, I was just like tweaking things here and there. They were just kind of on the shelf. But, you know, I came up with this storyline that I, I really liked and then just figured out a way to plug these songs in. But it, it did take a lot of time really crafting each one and really thinking hard about how to fit all this stuff together. One of the catchiest on the new album is Bottom of the Barrel. I mean, that's a great sing-along kind of song. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Thank you. The thing is, if you listen to it only once, it'd really be easy to miss the song meaning. Maybe you could give us the details. Yeah, well, I mean, that is, that is definitely a uh, 2020 era song. You know, with all the issues going on in the world, me personally, I've found that the struggle really makes the spiritual things come alive more. And that's kind of the message of Bottom of the Barrel. It really showcases God and what he really can do. Like down when I'm at the bottom of the barrel, that's when I realized that even here at the bottom, your love is still here. And because your love is bottomless, and when the world is crushing me to a pulp, it just brings my soul to the surface. And it's just so true. I mean, in, in all the dark seasons of my life, but in certainly 2020, I think a lot of people could identify with that same sentiment. Absolutely. That the weight of the world is crushing us more than we've ever been crushed to a pulp. And yet it's kind of refocusing our eyes on the spiritual as a result of it, which is great. And sometimes that's what God uses to get our eyes back on him and onto the things that are most important. 
Now, I brought up a little bit earlier about this being a concept album. Maybe I should have you actually give us the premise for Dark Side of the Ocean. Yeah, so it's this storyline of just kind of the ocean in general and kind of like what mysteries are out there that mankind has never encountered. It's called Dark Side of the Ocean because it's about kind of conjuring the imagination of the listener to provoke their imagination to be like, what else could be out there in the ocean that mankind has never discovered yet? And then so it follows this uh, sailor who is uh, he's in a, a naval battle and his soul sinks and he, he drowns. And as he sinks, his body and soul separate and his soul keeps sinking and leaves his body behind. And while it's sinking, the further and further he gets into the ocean, the weirder and weirder things get. So he sees, um, you know, just normal sea life. But then he starts to see animals and creatures that have never been discovered before. And that's when you get like... um, the the song uh, the bloop which is literally uh, a sound clip from uh, this thing called the bloop which uh, people speculate that it was this recording of some undiscovered underwater creature and so he, he encounters the the monster of the bloop then he encounters some soul of sailors that have drowned in the past and he's like whoa that's even weirder and then even weirder than that his soul um, encounters sea angels and these sea angels basically take this guy's soul and take them to their underwater angelic kingdom. So he gets to see what this sea angels kingdom is like underneath the water. And these sea angels are talking and they're, they're, they're saying, you know, the souls of men keep sinking down to us at the bottom of the ocean. And every year that goes by, the frequency increases at how many souls these angels are concerned, like, what is going on above the waves and that all these people are dying and all these souls keep sinking more and more through the years. And so they decide to uh, go check it out up at the surface. That's kind of the, the general flow of the whole album. The first half of the album is called The Descent, and then the second half of the album is The Ascent, because it has the soul sinking uh, to the bottom of the ocean first half and then the second half is these sea angels um, who basically are planning their ascent to the surface above the waves to figure out what's going on with all these souls sinking well let's talk about angels <laughs> now on the new album you guys threw me a bit because some of the songs even hint at a ska sound like on angel aquarium is ska part of your background <laughs> it is for <laughs> for me definitely i mean I love Five Iron Frenzy, one of my favorite bands. You know, some of these secular rock bands like Sublime or whatever, uh, I just like that sound of the the ska and the reggae also. And, you know, it's kind of funny to us because that's a pretty far extreme for Rusty Ship to go into the (laughs) ska and reggae. And I know that as soon as people heard those songs for the first time, they're like, what has Rusty Ship done? Yeah. But the thing is, is that both of those genres, ska and reggae, actually, I think, fit nicely in the nautical rock and roll genre because reggae kind of has always had this kind of beachy island nautical feel. And similar to ska, I mean, ska is usually, oddly enough, lumped in with punk and grunge kind of indie music. So 
it doesn't seem too far off, even though that is kind of like the uh, the greatest extent of the boundary of nautical rock and roll genre. Yeah, and it was fun too because in an experimental kind of way, I was joking with Rusty after we recorded it before we released that song. I'm like, boy, people are not going to see this one coming. Yeah, <laughs> but when they get it, they're going to have fun with this one. Yeah. <laughs> You guys have sort of nailed your style. I guess up front I would just say, yes, you're a rock and roll band. But I mean, it, it's straight up rock, it's surf rock, as you mentioned, grunge, you know, a touch of punk, and they say a bit of ska. You guys really like the diversity. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it keeps people interested. It's one of the things that I always appreciated about the Beatles albums is like, you, you listen to Revolver or something and like, all these songs are just, it's like, how many genres can somebody fit on one album? <laughs> and I loved it because it just keeps you listening from beginning to end. Yeah. And I'm like, man, that's what I want to do with our albums. I personally always love those kind of albums the most. So I know that a lot of people are going to have the same experience listening to the album that we made. And we just want to keep people interested and we never want them to get bored with our albums from front to back. Just tell me you're going to bring in polka at some point. Uh, you know, it's funny. We were talking about that just yesterday, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because maybe not full on polka, but <laughs> hey, when you listen to like any music that's in like pirate sailor movies or whatever, it kind of sounds a little like polka with the accordion and everything. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's not that far from what would be in the realm of nautical rock and roll, actually. Yeah, so we need to learn how to play the accordion very quickly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something about the music of Rusty's ship is the faith aspect. And that's also a part of that song we just spoke about, Angel Aquarium, when it says, Cherubim collecting all the souls washed away. Take him down to a holding place where they are safe until they're raised again on Judgment Day. So would you be saying that you consider your music to be an evangelical tool? Absolutely. I mean, it's part of why I feel so called to write these songs and, and do what we do. Hey, 2020, I mean, it just showed just how dark it can get and um, how much we need light and hope. And... Um, as many issues as there were going on in 2020, one thing that I was really adamant about was not focusing too much on the kind of us and them approach that so often is in politics and about like, well, we're the good guys. Those are the bad guys. And of course, in, in 2020, I mean, it was just like, I mean, the worst that I had ever seen <laughs> with that stuff. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of bands were, were kind of getting in into that kind of stuff. Hey, we're the good guys. Let's side with the good guys against the bad guys. I just didn't want to have any part of that stuff. I was like, you know what? We're all trying to figure this thing out together. No one has this thing nailed down. And I want to be one of the bands out there who is focusing on all the things that we have in common, all the things that are going to pull us together. And so I tried to do that. And it's funny because when I was really writing these songs, it felt, dare I say, providential with how I was writing the songs and how they all fit together and fell into place and how it kind of all just flowed and aligned into one cohesive message, I think, of trying to pull people back together and focus on the things that we have in common. 
you know, that's not as much about the, the evangelical part of it that you that you mentioned, but very much so. It is very, very much mission minded mm-hmm. and very much purpose minded. And scripture and faith has, a, you know, an essential part in all that. I always tell people when they ask me to describe our kind of music or what, what we're standing for. And I always say we're trying to help heal the world one song at a time. Yeah. That's awesome. It, it's the easiest way to sum it up because that's what we truly believe we're after. And I can't compliment Rusty enough on a job well done lyrically on this record because it's very powerful stuff lyrically. Well, you know, something about Rusty Ship being a rock band. I mean, according to the music scene, they say that rock doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> you just decided you're going to keep participating anyway. I love rock music. I know a lot of people love it. And, you know, the thing is, an essential part of being an artist is that you only give so many flips about what people think. (laughs) 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 It's a, you know, a small quota of flips that you give. (laughs) I'm not doing this because I'm like, hmm, what songs can I write that's going to make me the most money and make me as famous as possible? (laughs) If I was doing that, I would be in a band that's like One Direction or something. Obviously, if I'm trying to make nautical rock and roll music, I'm not doing it because popularity and and fame and riches is my number one goal. (laughs) I'm doing it because I love it and I I really believe in it. And I think there's something beautiful in it. And as an artist, I'm like, oh, gosh, this is awesome. And I want to share this with the world. There's something in rock that just can't be accomplished in other genres. You know, the the energy, the angst. Mm -hmm. And that is an essential part of humanity. Every single human being has this this energy, this angst, this drive, this desire to overcome and accomplish and achieve. And in my opinion, a lot of times I think that that emotion and that energy that humans want to express is best expressed through rock music. Mm -hmm. And rock music resonates with those people and that emotion rock music does it the best so rock music or something similar to rock music in some form has always existed i think and will always exist although the form changes to some degree so you're bucking the trend by staying with rock another way that you're bucking the trend is by actually putting out the concept album because i mean this is the era of the single do you really think you're going to be able to draw people in tightly enough to have them listen to the album right from start to finish? Yes. And and I'll tell you what, you know, it made me think of something that somebody asked us a very similar question like that when we put Liquid Exorcist out. Because like you had a great point, Dave, that it is a very singles-driven market. And yes, we've released nine singles this year, yeah. which is crazy to think about. But But these singles can stand on their own. However, when you listen to the album in its entirety, people get the full picture of the art that Russ has created. That It's like a painting or, you know, just this giant storyboard that's going through your mind as you listen to it. And in a way, yeah, it's a throwback to other concept art. You know, like, like I, I like bands like Rush or Pink Floyd that maybe did concept art back in uh, you know the 60s or 70s or 80s or whatnot. And I love that because it's like a movie in your head. I think it's missing in this era. Exactly. And I think when we release stuff like this, 
a lot of people who miss that kind of stuff in this day and age, they're like, oh, I love this. There's a band that's still doing stuff like this, or they're doing something that's different. Now, and something that, that I've been missing <laughs> from the old rock albums is somebody that can play a really great guitar. Yeah. <laughs> and now I don't want to negate the lyrics, but really, I find that the standout on the album is the guitar playing. Wow. I have to admit, our uh, Van Halen-loving producer helped out quite a bit with that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because actually, hey, this was a total pandemic album, and Elijah was going to play the guitar on it, but then 2020 happened. He, he ended up being kind of stranded in a different place, and yeah. it, was a, it was a whole ordeal. And so our producer was like, well, you know, I can shred <laughs> on the guitar. And how. <laughs> and see, he started just like shredding the guitar and melting our faces. We're like, uh, okay, cool. Uh, yeah, let's see what you can do. Yeah. So he did a few of those like like the the What's Crackin' solo where he's just doing all that crazy stuff. That was him. Yeah. Well, let's get into What's Crackin'. I mean, that's a hilarious yeah. song title. Yeah. So I guess... <laughs> On the surface level, yeah, you can take it as a fun take on denying the idea of sea monsters. But again, it's another song that has more levels than that. Yeah, yeah. it could possibly be, pun intended, the deepest song on the album. Because there are so many layers to that song. (laughs) (laughs) Dave, you you have no idea how lame we can get with the nautical puns. Oh, yes. (laughs) But, um, okay, what's crack? I mean, it's just kind of a ridiculous nautical pun right there. Yeah. And it's funny because, like, the surface level, it's like, okay, yeah, this nautical rock and roll band, of course, they've got to check off the bucket list item of having a song about the Kraken. Okay, what's cracking? Check. But then it's kind of like going deeper than that. It's like, yeah, but what really is Kraken? Which is still kind of humorous, but then... At that level, it's talking about, yeah, the validity of people that had reports of the Kraken through history. Well, were they actually true reports or did they have ulterior motives that were just fueling what they were trying to do? And then it really explores that concept of truth and reality itself. And that's when it gets to a real deep level. Because in the pandemic, I think that people were wrestling with what is true, probably more than any other time, and, and certainly in my lifetime, and in a lot of people's lifetimes. And it's like, man, we just didn't know up from down as far as who was telling the truth, who was not, what was overly politicized. It's like, I couldn't trust scientists. I couldn't trust the medical community. I couldn't trust the news. I couldn't trust the government. I couldn't trust the religious sphere. Every area was in such extreme contrast. (laughs) I'm like, goodness gracious. Like, I feel like I have nothing I can hold on to. That's really where this song came from. It's kind of using the the whole joke about the Kraken and the nautical imagery is just kind of a, a loose thing. But the deeper message going on behind this thing is like, how do we know what's real and what's true? And then in the realm of truth and news and reality, that stuff was kind of crushing me to a pulp, but it brought my soul to the surface in the sense of it forced me to say, what truth is out there that I actually can hold on to? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like what the lyrics say in the chorus, give me proof, give me something I can hold on to 
timeless truth that's still as good as new. And I almost used the word uh, in the lyrics, transcendent truth that's still as good as new. What is the rock that we can really truly hold on to that's concrete and stand on when all else is sinking sand? For me, obviously, as a Christian, it's the, the truths of the Bible. It cuts right through all the politics and this side and that side saying what they want. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world, what's going on in the pandemic, what's going to happen, um, you know, a hundred years from now, whatever. These timeless truths are transcendent. You know, something else that's cool about the album is that it includes these short bridges between the main songs. How come? Well, you know, it's like that is going with the concept album. That's a big part of what makes it a concept album is those little things that tie the tracks together. It's the fun glue. Yeah. Yeah, it it is a throwback in a way, like I was saying earlier, too, like maybe people like uh, bands like Rush, Mm -hmm. Pink Floyd, and all these other uh, artists that we looked up to and admired. But they just got really creative on some of those albums just, just to tie you know, one song to the next without there being a hard stop sometimes. Mm-hmm. And plus, we just like to have fun. There, there's a couple of really fun jams sure. uh, tracks on there that just tie the album together. And uh, we dabbled with that on Liquid Exorcist, our last mm-hmm. record. And people really enjoyed that. And we enjoyed doing it. So we, we thought, why not? Mm-hmm. Let's do that again. Yeah. And giving oddities like the bloop. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> Which I think most people wouldn't know what that is unless I told them that it was actually a sound recording from the NOAA. Public domain. Throw that out there. Public domain. Yep. <laughs> oh, but they are going to recognize one line from it because it actually has come from Genesis 1. And that's the interesting thing because the bloop ties into the song Tananim and. Tananim is a Hebrew word, which means uh, large sea monsters. It's only found one time in the Bible, which is in Genesis 1, which is why that quote is in there. And it's such an interesting, mysterious passage of, like, God's creating the whole world. And then it has this, like, random little thing in there. And it's like, oh, and he also created the large sea monsters, Tananim. And people don't really know what the word Tananim actually means. And I just thought, it was like, wow, that's so mysterious and also conveniently fits with the whole nautical rock and roll genre. I got to do something with that. <laughs> so that's what that's about. Let's get more into that nautical rock and roll. You talk about doing like stereotypical topics and songs. Yeah. Well, you did that on Mortal Ghost when you did the song Davy Jones. And it's like this new album has the song sequel with King of the Deep. Uh-huh. I'm glad you <laughs> caught that. Yeah. yeah. It is kind of like a sequel. We, we say it's like Davy Jones on steroids. Yep. <laughs> and that song, I mean, I'm, I'm not kidding. First of all, I wrote that song while I was swimming in the Atlantic Ocean. So, <laughs> for real. Um, but with that song, I'm like, you know, what does every Rusty Ship fan want in like a Rusty Ship song? And people love our song Davy Jones. Um, they're like, oh, man, it's awesome. And, probably the quintessential nautical rock and roll song. It just sounds like it. I'm like, okay, well, how can we do that kind of thing and just blow it up to the most extreme version of nautical rock and roll you can get? And that's what King of the Deep is. (laughs) And it totally worked. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Thanks. You know, I'm starting to think that it's about time to close up this talk. 
but I do want to ask about the final song from Dark Side of the Ocean. The other side has a verse that says, people always look for heaven in the wrong places, as if it's just somewhere you go on retirement vacation. But a wise man once said that the kingdom of heaven is within. Try looking there and let me know when you find it. So are you saying that actually does sum up what the album is all about? Um, in some ways, yes, it is kind of a closer to the album in that sense. You know, the whole album is it's talking about like these angels in this underwater kingdom. And the angels are looking up to above the, the waves. They kind of see the land of men as heaven. And that's actually what the song Man Myth Legend is about. And it has some of those lyrics in it. It's so interesting because it's like, oh, wait, so these angels are looking up to what they see as heaven. And actually, it's this twisted, crazy world of mankind, which is the furthest thing from heaven. And it's kind of in some ways tying in with the other side in that it's like, yeah, people look for heaven in the wrong places. And we certainly do that absolutely in our world. I mean, even in the Christian church, in some ways, we put so much emphasis on heaven, like uh, eternal life, that we can only experience it once we die. We just have to kind of struggle through this life, and we can't have any like <laughs> grasp of heaven or eternal life or God until we just die, and then we can finally be with him. And I just don't think that that's the case. I mean, the words of Jesus, exactly what it says in the song, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is within you. And there were so many passages where, where Jesus, in a lot of ways, he sang, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And in so many ways, it's like Jesus was the bread that came down from heaven to earth to give us eternal life that we can actually taste and experience right now. So that's kind of what that's getting at. It's just shifting where our focus is on heaven. And it's using the, you know, the imagery of the story to kind of emphasize that. I do have to tell you guys that there is one big problem with Dark Side of the Ocean. And that is, it's a perfect album. So how are you ever going to top this? <laughs> well, that's, that, you're very kind. Thank you, Jokingly, but not jokingly, I have been saying that to Rusty for a while now. And I, AJ I, was I, kind of anxious when we finished recording this and he got the mixes back. He's like, gosh, I'm kind of afraid of how we're going to outdo I, I this. Did, I've been saying that for <laughs> that, that whole time. You're right. Because it's a good problem to have because you have set the bar higher every time that we record an album, right? But this one's going to be a tough one to top. Uh, so we're going to have to get, I guess, just really, really extra creative on the next record. Yeah. Listen, guys, it's been great having you. And thanks, as always, for coming for a talk with The Antidote. Thanks for having us, Dave. Always awesome to talk with you and get deep into the songs and everything. We, we always look forward to this kind of thing. Yeah, thanks, Dave.